0: Uh, If I've not met you before, my name's Jacinda, Uh, Matt and I lead Coast Vineyard, and uh, it is one of the great joys of our lives, and uh, you know, today as we reflect on Easter, as we reflect on Easter Sunday in particular, uh, we have this Jesus who has his arms wide open to all of us. So I loved that piece of spoken word. You know, he had his arms wide open then and he has his arms wide open now. And we're gonna spend some time thinking about what that means for us because his death and his resurrection changed history all those years ago. Now, I'm a little bit of a history buff. I studied it at university. I'm one of those slightly nerdy people who like old things. So when we go on holiday to places, I'm like, ooh, let's go, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And the kids are like, oh, God. You know, a stone building, woohoo. Um, but there's all the stories around it, you know, people live their lives there. And, uh, and so history is really important to me. I think there's a lot that we can learn from history, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. And so as I was preparing for today, I, um, was, I don't really know why, but I started thinking about Anzac Day, which of course we have in a few weeks' time. And uh, that was, for those of you who have forgotten (laughs) what happened on Anzac Day, let me just refresh your memory, Uh, on the 25th of April in 1915, I did actually write those down, I love history but I'm terrible with numbers, Uh, the Allied troops landed in Anzac Cove in Gallipoli in Turkey and uh, they were actually supposed to have been dropped off a couple of miles further down the beach and uh, that couple of miles made a huge difference. So it was actually a mistake where they they were put, and they landed on Anzac Cove, which is this narrow beach overlooked by really steep cliffs, which were covered in Turkish troops. And so they faced this bombardment of artillery as they were landing on the beaches, and many, many men lost their lives, and it began an eight-month stretch of them being stuck in this place where they lived with the constant threat of sniper fire from the guys up the top, and uh, disease, they had lice, they had dysentery, they had their friends decomposing bodies in the trenches with them. When they actually took some higher ground, which they were never able to hold, their enemy was often, their trenches were often within metres of their own. So they were constantly living with fear and it's such an important part of our history in New Zealand and Australia because even though there wasn't like this great victory one, it became this moment uh, or eight months period of time that kind of forged the Anzac identity and the New Zealand and Australian identity in the minds of the world and for us as well, which is why people like Peter Jackson have gone and made that amazing uh, exhibition down at uh, To Papa in Wellington, which is just phenomenal. And, uh, and this is what Gallipoli looks like now or Anzac Cove looks like now. It's actually a a white beach. We got to go there in 2007 as part of a trip we were doing for our master's programme. that We were studying at the time, and we were in Turkey for other things. You're thinking, why on earth would they be going to Gallipoli? We did a theology degree. Um, But because there were a bunch of Kiwis on the tour, they added this extra bit and took the whole busload, mostly of Canadians and Americans, and a handful of Kiwis to Anzac Cove. And uh, I, I mean, I knew the stories from then, but I didn't have any personal connection to it. I don't have any family members that were involved. And so I kind of didn't really expect much, you know, of going. It was interesting, but that was about it. And we drove down the hill, and you come down to this beach, and it's covered in white stones. And I may, may well have brought one home. And <laughs> I know. But the reason that I did... a bit sneaky, Um, uh, is because as I was standing on this beach, I remembered reading uh, accounts of soldiers that were there, and they talked about the, the beach and the sea running red with the blood of the soldiers that were being shot as they were landing. And if you go there now, it's this white beach. Like, it would be easy to miss what happened there. And we forget really fast, don't we? And uh, so we were at the beach for a wee while, and then we headed up into the hills uh, above that, up to Chunuk And there's all these memorials that the Turkish government have built to honour not only the Turkish men that died there, but also uh, the Allied soldiers as well. They have a tremendous amount of respect for New Zealand and Australians. We found out when we were there. And um, I think you've got another slide, guys, of like the cemetery. I don't know if you've shown that one, but. Um, But they've got these big memorials there so that people don't ever forget, to remind us of what happened there, so that we remember what that was all about. And you've kind of got to ask yourself the question, so what was that all about? It was a failed military attempt, really. It didn't achieve anything. 130,000 men died in that eight-month period, and 44,000 of them were Allied troops. But those men went to a foreign nation to fight for freedom for people they didn't know. They fought for what they believed was right and was true and was noble. They gave their lives for it. And they were fighting for freedom from tyranny. Not for themselves, but for others. Then there was noise, there was smoke, there was blood, there was screaming. Now it is this peaceful, quiet, restful place. And it's easy for us to forget what Easter is all about. And in a lot of ways, you know, you kind of think, why on earth do we have this cross there? cross is a barbaric form of torture, really. But the cross is important to us because it helps us to remember That freedom always comes with a price. You know, those soldiers that fought, they paid a price for freedom. Jesus did the same thing, but the difference was in him it was done once and for all, as Miriam was saying in that spoken word. Jesus at Easter paid the price for all of us for all time to have access to God, for our sins to be forgiven, for us to be able to live into the freedom that he brings us. That is a great cause for celebration today. Jesus told his disciples before this all happened, he said to them in John 10 verse 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That sounds good, right? What none of his disciples realized at the time, they would have heard that and gone, yeah, it sounds awesome. But they didn't realize that there was a price to be paid to have that kind of life, a price to have that kind of freedom. Prophet Isaiah, who uh, was around 700 years before Jesus, he foretold this and he said this about what Jesus was gonna do. Uh, And this is from the message version of the Bible. He said, who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered and who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, though he was scum and thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pain that he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We are all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. And we've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, On him. On him. What that means for us is freedom. It means life. It means hope. And it's personal. This is not just some grand idea that kind of, or something that happened a long time ago to people far, far away. It's for now. It's for each one of us to actually reflect on and figure out what does this mean for me? Well, for me, I want to share a little bit of my story. As I was getting ready for Easter, as I mentioned many times, I'm not good with numbers, but I realized that actually this is my 30th anniversary of coming back to faith this Easter. I was an Easter camp convert, you know. And uh, so I have great hopes for what God can do at Easter camps. And, uh, but 30 years, I was uh, confronted again with the reality of what Jesus did. So I'm going to tell a little bit of my story. It won't take long. And it's not because my story is more important than yours or anything like that. It's just that it happens to be mine, and I know it quite well. (laughs) So uh, my first 20 years of life was not quite so straightforward. Uh, I never knew my birth dad. Uh, My stepdad and I didn't get on so great. Uh, And I was convinced, as you are as a child, that that was because I wasn't his. But in actual fact, it's probably more just because our personality is great, you know, and push each other's buttons. But I didn't get that as a child, and unfortunately, the combination of those sorts of things uh, created just massive self-esteem issues for me, had very low uh, self-esteem, and that left me quite vulnerable to things. And uh, so when I was 11, uh, I was the victim of sexual assault, and uh, and between the ages of 11 and 18, I uh, was the victim of sexual and physical assault. And, um, and in the midst of all of that, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that I get to live with for the rest of my days. And uh, it didn't do good things for me, the combination of all those things, as you might imagine. And my coping for all of that, because I didn't tell anybody, because I was convinced that those things, I was the one, I was at fault, that I was the one to blame. And so I went to things like alcohol uh, to smother the pain and for years I did that, a couple of years. I walked away from my faith. It didn't feel safe to me anymore uh, for a number of different reasons. But, uh, but I ended up in a really pretty dark place by the time I was 18, 19. <clears throat> and, and it was in the midst of that that God intervened because by then I was studying in Hamilton at Teachers College and things had gotten really bad uh, because all, all my coping wasn't actually working and there was just this huge amount of pain. And I found a, a picture that, sort of describes how it felt. I had a vision of this um, that I think God gave me to give me, to kind of wake me up to how important this was. And it felt like I was just drowning in this ocean of pain. And I'd lost sight of land and I was going under and there was just a hand out. That was all that was left. And the darkness that felt like it had been surrounding me was getting on the inside and just overwhelming me. And so at 19, I did not feel free. I felt enslaved by fear and by shame and by pain and no hope and no purpose. And so by then I was starting to think, well, what's the point? And started considering suicide. And it was then that a friend of mine who had remained a friend, I'd known him in school, we'd been in youth group together, and he didn't know, no one knew what had happened to me. And uh, he invited me to Easter camp. And, uh, and I was, I am wise to the ways of Christians. And, uh, and I was like, no, I'm not going. And I used the classic student excuse I have no money. <laughs> and then money arrived in the mail <laughs> unexpectedly. And I, can't, I knew enough about God to know that this was something I probably should pay a little bit of attention to. But I had this cunning plan I'd arrive late and leave early. And so, and I said to him, I'm only going to go because friends of mine were in a band and they were playing at it, and Matt was in it. And I said, Well, I'll go listen to you guys, you know, perform, but I'm not listening to any of the speakers, all right? Because I know how this goes. And uh, and so I went to this Easter camp, and I was true to my word. I did it exactly the way that I said. However, God is really sneaky. I came back early and I went home to the halls of residence where I was living in Hamilton, only the problem was I hadn't really joined all the dots that the people that I would normally go out and get drunk with, and that was just coping. That was just me trying to like numb all the pain. Uh, But my two coping things was get drunk and just be busy all the time. Well, you need people for that, and they were all away, because it was Easter. And so I went back to this empty halls of residence and I sat on my bed, And for the first time in a few years, I just wept. And I felt like God said, I want you back. It was just this really quiet whisper. I want you back. And I had this vision of uh, that, and I knew that all I had to do, I had this, like a had that sensation of just being overwhelmed with all the stuff that my life had become. And I saw this other hand reaching down. And I knew that all I had to do was take his hand. It was right there. And that he wanted me back, regardless of all the stuff that had been done to me, regardless of all the bad decisions I had made as a result of all of that, of all the stuff, the shame that I'd felt, he wanted me back. And I had this, it flipped from this picture to, not exactly that one, I found an artist who had painted that, that's amazing, um, to another one where I felt like I was in a courtroom and that there was an argument going on about me. And there were two men in the room and I knew one of them was God because of his eyes. And I knew the other one was Satan because of his eyes. And because he was reeling off all of the reasons why I was disqualified why I didn't count, why I couldn't possibly be God's again. And, and I watched this, and I was dreading that he would win. But I felt like God just saying, but I want you back. Just come back. And so on my bed, I sat there crying, having all of this happen. I've never had visions ever in my life. This is the only time, and I'm sure it was just because God needed to do something a little bit radical to get my attention. And, uh, and I was just like, well, Lord, I don't have really anything left. I was kind of at rock bottom. But what I've got, it's yours. And that was the moment that turned my life around. This huge exchange that happened. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, there was this exchange that was available now. We could go and we could leave all of those things there. He would take it. He died for our sins, for our shame, for our pain, for all of those things. And we have this freedom now that we get to step into life there's an exchange that happens that's not based on us now change is incremental so please don't hear me say I said yes to Jesus that day and life was sweet from then on you know that's not how life works I've had a lot of counseling and a lot of prayer and I have a husband who has been very loyal to me and walked through a lot with me over the years and uh, and good friends that have helped along the way. So please don't hear like, if I come to Jesus, everything's going to be fine in a heartbeat because the reality is we have to work through stuff, don't we? And all of us have our stories. All of us have experienced pain of some kind or another. All of us have been through the hard realities of life one way or another. But our story matters because it's a part of a story that's been going on for a long time. And we get to exchange all of the stuff that we wrestle with that limits our freedom for the freedom that God and Jesus have won for us. So for each of us today, what does that mean? Well, we have a choice to make. We can embrace that or we can reject it. That's, that's what all of us have to decide for ourselves. Do we keep saying yes to him over and over because it's not time, a one-time event? We have to actually practice that for the whole of our lives. And what does that new life even look like? You know, Jesus is inviting us into this new way of living. Well, what does that look like? Paul, who wrote a number of letters in uh, Scripture to a whole lot of young churches, he sent this to um, a church in Galatia. And so it's found in Galatians 5, 1, and then 22 to 25. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That's what we're invited into this Easter. We get to respond to Jesus' invitation, and then we work it out. For the rest of our lives, we work out what that looks like. We make repeated choices. We keep choosing Jesus and his way of living. And we get to exchange anything that enslaves us for the freedom that he offers us. And that is a good reason to celebrate today. Alrighty, so what are we going to do? We're going to have an opportunity to actually engage with that. So, you know... Often you come to church, you think, great, I can sit back and just relax and listen for the next little while, and then we'll get up and have coffee. Uh, Not today. Uh, I hate to burst your bubble. Um, But we have a cross that represents that exchange that's available to all of us. And so we're just going to take some time. We don't have to rush. But in the next sort of 10 minutes or so, there's some paper and pens over on these tables where if you want to write down anything that this Easter you want to bring and leave at the cross, then that's what we're going to spend time on. So that's, that's part of what's going to happen. And then inside those uh, baskets, there's some, I couldn't find white stones that I liked. So I've got other little ones instead. They're these little glass ones. And what you can do is, uh, I love this mic. You can just walk around with it. It's freedom. Um, okay, so there's these for you. And it's, all it is, it's, it's just going to be this little reminder that you can keep in your pocket or in your bag or on your desk or whatever because after you've done this opportunity of leaving something behind, you can step into and receive whatever it is that God is offering you this Easter. And some of the things that we may want to write, you know, there's markers if you want to write on it or you might just want to leave it like it is, but it may be that this Easter you really need some hope or joy or joy or love, or forgiveness, whatever it is that you feel like God's speaking to your heart about, you've got this opportunity to take one of these things and then keep it with you to remind you that that is available to you. So just to be clear, we're going to get up, it's going to get messy and noisy, but pen and paper, some of you may have that in your handbag, ladies. Uh, Write down anything you want to leave at the cross. There's hammers and nails that you can smash it on there with. It always feels quite good and then take something away and talk to God about what is it that you're giving me this Easter. Okay? I'm just going to pray before we do that. So Lord, we do want to just thank you. We are so incredibly grateful for what you've done for each one of us. I know all our stories are different, but you know them intimately. And we're very, very grateful for this exchange that gets to take place. So, Lord, this morning, as we come before you, your people, would you speak to each one of us about what it is that you would be inviting us to leave with you at the cross today and what it is that you're inviting us to take away. Lord, don't let this just be something we do just because everyone else is doing it, but let it be something important between us and you. So be here by the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this is where we're gonna pop some music on. We've got about 10 minutes. Get up, move around, do all of this, take your time, but spend some time sort of engaging with God as you do so, okay?